Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. I am your host, Mike Abadir, and I am sitting alongside my co-host, Gino Bacola. We've got a great show for you today. We always have a great show for you, always, though, because it's the guests that we have. And today we've got a great lineup of guests. We'll get to that in a moment. Last week, we had Jerry Hairston Jr., and he really brought it big time and made some incredible predictions that came to fruition when it came to the came to the Major League Baseball playoffs, and I want to talk to you a little bit about that, Gino, and I want to get something off my chest with respect to two disappointing things that happened this week. One was the Bo Sox losing, my beloved Red Sox. They got their butts whipped. But the bigger travesty was U.S. men's soccer, and that was more than just a letdown. I, I'm at a loss for words. I think that they have to have a complete shakeup from the top down to the bottom with respect to how they pick their players, with respect to the leadership, with respect to the philosophy on soccer. Overall, it's just one of those things. It's inexcusable when you lose to a nation like Trinidad and Tobago, two nations that have to combine to form one team, really, and you can't even get a draw out of it. Gino, good morning to you. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's embarrassing, Mike. You did a 93% chance of qualifying. Um, they were talking about how the field was so bad. They, you know, and and I don't like that. Both teams have to play on the same field. They were lethargic. They couldn't keep possession. They couldn't string passes together. The The midfield is just completely empty. The formation is bad. Um, there were a couple of plays where Josie Altador, there's one that, that was going all around Twitter where it, Josie, after a play, he's just kind of walking back. He doesn't track back at all. They need to tear it down. They need a new coach who can work with young players. Maybe Ramos, who's the coach of the U12, uh, the U12. I was a coach of the U12. The U20 U.S. Uh, team, they won the 27 CONCACAF U20 championship for uh, Pereja FC Dallas. He's really involved with the youth setup. He was director of player development for a few years there. They needed to bring in everyone between 19 and 26. That needs to be the the key they need to go young 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 there's no reason now to focus on the, the next world cup they need to be worried about what's going to be happening in cutter and uh it's a little embarrassing mike this is they haven't they've qualified for the world cups every time since 1986 we've never been a, a soccer powerhouse here but to not qualify this is definitely one of the more embarrassing um incidents in u.s sports that, that i at least in my lifetime that i can remember the main issue i've got is the lack of passion that they played with where was their energy? Where was their passion? Where was their will to win? I mean, you don't even go into a matchup like that thinking about a draw, but that's all you needed, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, to me, when I look at it, yeah, exactly what you said. Um, and I look back now and I see what Klinsman was trying to do with the ball club and the way he assembled the team. And he brought a lot of foreign-born players that were American citizens because they had an American parent. And I, I get it. You know, we just haven't developed the talent from a young age like you're talking about to get it to the point to where they're able to bring these guys up systematically. 
almost like through a minor league type of system and have these guys succeed on a international platform. We're not there yet. Hopefully this will be the wake up call that they need to be able to field a competitive team that should be coming out of what generally speaking is a weaker bracket with respect to the global game. Um, they should be able to make it out of this. You know, every time. Usually, usually it should be just us and Mexico just about every single year. Yeah. Um, it, it's a little embarrassing. We could do a whole show on this, but we'll uh, we'll mention a couple other things that happened this past week. I know you're frustrated about the Red Sox, but I, I'm not going to gloat because, trust me, there's a long way for the Dodgers to go. But I'm going to clap just a little applause because the Dodgers played very, very well. Things could not have gone better. And this was something we were talking about, Mike, for a few weeks leading into the playoffs. Me being a Dodger fan, this season has been set up so perfectly for the Dodgers, just the way everything fell in the playoffs, the way that the matchups fell. They weren't going to have to go through both the Cubs and the Nationals, which have been two of the tougher teams over the last few years. They were able to sit back, dictate the way they wanted to to set up their rotation. Arizona had to worry about the wild card game. They had to deal with a a lot of pitching uh, issues too, because they had to go through Ray. They had to go through Granke in in the wild card game just to get there. They had to use some bullpen arms. They were just overmatched by the Dodgers. So the same thing happens now for the Dodgers going forward again with the Washington Nationals and the Cubs having to play a game five. The Dodgers get to set up their rotation again. They get to just hang out until Saturday night when the, when game one starts. And we're going to see game five later on today to see who the Dodgers will play. And then on the other side, uh, unfortunately, the Red Sox could not get by Houston Astros. And we're going to bring in our buddy Chad in a minute to talk some all that is Houston. Yeah, it was... Uh... It was a, a a tough series, obviously. I mean, to me, in my mind, the Astros, from beginning to end, were probably the best team in American League. You know, the Indians had that streak, and so they got a lot of the attention. But the Astros, from day number one to day number 162 and on through the playoffs, they were the most consistent team in the American League. They were the most lethal team. They have, you know, pitching depth, uh, a lineup that's probably second to none in the American League from top to bottom. They've got team speed. They've got power. They hit for average. They get on base. Like you said, we'll have a good conversation about the Astros with Chad Cooper. We also have Scott Shapiro coming on a little bit later on in the show as well. So two really good guests to talk about horse racing, college football, a little major league baseball and DraftKings. Uh, we're going to do a, a lineup with uh, Shapiro. We're going to go through a DraftKings lineup. So those of you who play fantasy football this weekend, we'll give you an idea of who we like, how the matchups fare and, um, and what the prices are over on DraftKings. And one thing, and uh, before we bring in Chad right now, got to do a little due diligence from last week. Uh, I had seven uh, plays, seven bets. I went three and four on my seven. You unfortunately went 0 and one and you had a tough beat there with the, the Cowboys. It was your best bet of the week. And we saw Aaron Rodgers come back. I, I lost the over. I had the Pats Tampa over. That was a loss. I did have the Chargers. That was a win. I had the Bills. That one really could have gone either way, but that was a loss. Actually, the Bengals really could have won that game by even more with a couple of turnovers from A.J. Green. I did have the Eagles. Lost with the Lions. I had the over in the Rams-Seattle, which was way under. And then I had the, uh, the over in the Packers-Cowboys. So I went 3-4. and four. Mike, you went 0-1. I'll have three best bets in the final segment again today. I know you're going to have a lock of the week, so we'll uh, we'll try to get back on the positive side. But uh, right now, we need to bring in our first guest, I believe, the man from Houston. This is a man who I met down in uh, Delta Downs, Louis- Vinton, Louisiana, a few years back. We've become good friends over the past few years. This is a guy who knows horse racing. He knows 
MMA. He knows wrestling. He knows football. He knows college football. He knows baseball. He is a degenerate gambler like myself, and he's a good dude. Chad, don't call me Bradley because I'm much better looking. Cooper, what's going on, buddy? What's up, Gino? Thanks for having me on the show. I, I, the pressure is built up with all these great guests you guys had. Hopefully uh, I can deliver as the Astros did uh, this past week. Well, good yeah. morning, Chad. Hey. Mike, Mike's a little bitter. Mike's a little bitter about I, I the, uh, the matchup. But well, let's talk Astros. As Mike did mention, they were probably the best team in baseball right there with the Dodgers all the way through. They beat the Red Sox 3-1. They had the third highest OPS by any team in postseason history in a, in a series of four games, uh, in four games or less. Chris Sale got lit up by the Astros just from top to bottom. It doesn't seem like there are very many weaknesses on this team, Chad. No, there's not. Uh, they had a very interesting season. Uh, the first half of the season, they were the talk of the town. They, they set franchise records, and then they kind of sputtered in the second half, and there was a little pressure on A.J. Hinch to, why are you giving this player, you know, why is he going on the DL for 10 days? Why is this guy going on the DL, uh, DL for 10 days? There, there was some, some talk and some buzz, you know, why were play, certain players getting rest, but it worked out for them. Um, they did manage to lose a big lead to Cleveland for uh, home field advantage in the American League, and I thought that was something that uh, may come back and haunt them. And I thought there at the end, uh, you know, when they had to play at Boston to finish the season out, that that series would mean a lot for a lot more for Houston than it did. But nonetheless, yeah, when, when they finally got Justin Verlander to uh, solidify that one-two pitching position, they needed one more stud uh, for that pitching lineup. I thought they had a legit shot to get to the World Series. And uh, a good series. There were some questions. Hinch, uh, you know, in game three, uh, started uh, Peacock, which was probably a good idea. But we made an interesting trade during the season to get Francisco Liriano, a pitcher who come in and struggled in game three, a lefty who hasn't done much. But, the, you know, they grinded it out. They did what they had to do pitching-wise. And the, the, that top and middle part of that batting lineup is about as good as you get for any team in the league. And I, I would say that one of the things that makes the Astros a lethal ball club is that they've got really good starting pitching as well. We've got Dallas Keuchel on the hill for game one against the Yankees. Girardi has not yet announced who their game one starter is going to be. But... Keiko delivered a really good performance. You know, he didn't go that deep into the last game. Seven strikeouts. Didn't have a lot of base runners. I think he only gave up three hits, maybe issued three walks. Uh, I think this is like any postseason where it all comes down to starting pitching. And I just think that the Astros have a little bit more of it quality-wise than the Yankees do. I, I agree. Uh, I believe uh, they played seven times during uh, this season. The Astros went five and two. There wasn't a real big run differential, but the biggest stat that jumped out to me in the seven games uh, with the Yankees this year, the Astros starting pitching was uh, their ERA was 3.11, while the Yankees starting pitching against the Astros in seven game had an ERA of 7.83, and that is a huge difference. The Astros were able to tee off on them. Their bats are hot right now. Now they get a home series after everything that's happened with Hurricane Harvey in this area. 
I, I just think uh, they're the Cinderella team. I know a lot of people want L.A. versus New York in the World Series, but Houston, after the debacle in 2005, getting swept by the White Sox, uh, this city has been cursed with pro sports, with the Rockets, uh, since the Rockets, you know, won in 93, 94, or 94, 95, when Jordan was out of the league. Just can't seem to shake this baseball curse off, and uh, hopefully this is the year. Chad, you were just talking about the the hurricane. Um, you're right down in the, in the middle of all of this, and that was going to be my transition. This would be so huge. We saw with uh, with New Orleans and the Saints with Katrina years back. A lot of times when something like this happens, it really kind of galvanizes the town. People, uh, people kind of gather around. What's it been like for you? Tell us a little bit about what the last month or so has been like. Where, where, what were things like for you? What kind of damage do, have you been dealing with? And uh, how is the town now getting back after everything? It, it, it's, it was nuts. The, the, the interesting thing is Houston tends to flood uh, more often than not. Um, you know, dating back to the early 2000 with Tropical Storm Allison, you know, Houston is built like a bowl. It, it doesn't hold water very well, but this, you know, Harvey, by the time it reached southeast Texas, this part it was a tropical storm, and it just sat on top of us for three or four days, and it was just... You know, it's just heartbreaking not only, you know, to to see your neighbors getting rescued by by Army helicopters and the Coast Guard did just for for two and three days straight. But the great thing was this city always comes together uh, despite of race, religion, uh, political affiliation. All that gets pushed aside, and Texans become Texans. And the help that each other, uh, the helping neighbors and, and helping one another, and there's still long lines. There's still areas uh, of southeast Texas still that there was just an area this week that just got electricity for the first time uh, since the early part. Me, luckily, I had no water damage, but without electricity for nine days, without water for nine days, and the National Guard knocking on your door, the Red Cross knocking on your door three or four times a day to give you MREs, to give you bottled water, uh, to make sure that everyone is your house uh, is okay. I've been through many hurricanes, um, from Rita to Ike, uh, the powerful ones, and I've seen nothing like what we had to uh, endure with Tropical Storm uh, Harvey but it, it was it's it fast response uh, by by the federal government. Uh, they came in and helped out, and it's just been tremendous. What to see what neighbors can do once you put you know affiliations aside and and, and being helped one on one is uh, it's it's in the people stepping up from J J Watt to these professional athletes, all these guys getting together and raising money you know for this area has just been second to none. And, uh, it, you know, I don't know if this town will ever recover from that, but uh, it, they have to, people have done a great job getting it back together and getting things up and running and trying to go on as usual. And, of course, sports is one big thing that will help people out uh, just for a couple of hours, and the Astros have done just that. Well, you, you were talking about uh, the, the Texans gathering together. Uh, you've... It's been kind of a mixed emotions for the football team there the last few weeks. You have a new rookie. He's come in. He, he's a winner. He looks like an absolute stud. But then last week, you lose, you know, two incredible defenders, and you lose J.J. Watt, who's been so so crucial through through all of this. Um, game coming up this weekend against the Browns. What are your thoughts overall on the Texans right now going forward? 
Well, they have their quarterback, and what was frustrating to me is why this guy wasn't getting the snaps in in camp. Why wasn't he getting the first? Because we know Tom Savage, uh, you know, <laughs> it should have been a no-brainer there. You know, now I'm hearing, you know, I know it's early, but there's there's people here in Houston, you know, uh, comparing Deshaun Watson to Roger Stallback to what Roger did in his early years. The kid's a winner. The problem is now with the Texans, uh, you know, we have defensive problems. What used to be one of the best defenses in the league, J.J. Watt is now out for the season on the same drive last week. Uh, Marcellus, he's out now for the year with the torn uh, pectoral muscle. So the defense is struggling. The offense, there's really not a whole lot of help for Watson. But what he did last week, the kid didn't quit. He's a winner. And now he goes up against the struggling Browns who had a chance to draft him. I think the Browns for the last two years have had a chance to, to draft a quarterback. They, they passed over Carson Wentz last year. They passed over Deshaun Watson this year. Uh, they traded the pick. Uh, I believe they got Kaiser, uh, a quarterback who is now a second stringer who's not going to start. So it, it's an interesting game. I know the Texans media did not let Deshaun Watson uh, go on the uh, Cleveland media conference call this week. So there could be some animosity, but Houston needs to get this win this week. Uh, I know playing playing these teams who are winless coming in uh, are the dangerous teams to play, but Houston has a bye week next week. This would be great to get a win versus the Browns, but nothing is given. Houston plays good one week, then they play down. They play to their competition. That's how it's been since Bill O'Brien has come in. But if you're going to play anybody, the Browns are an awful uh, good sight to see uh, coming in this Sunday. Yeah, and it doesn't hurt that they're in a mediocre division as well. So while some people may look at it and say that, hey, they're two and three going into this matchup, maybe they'll be three and three, but this may be best served as a developmental season for Watson. Uh, I don't know about that just because you have the Colts, the Titans, and the Jags. Yeah, it could be a seven-win team could win this uh, could win this division. You know, Jacksonville did beat Houston that first game. So when they play in late December in Jacksonville, that's going to be a must-win. But, you know, Indianapolis is not very good. Tennessee uh, now has quarterback problems. So, no, this this division is probably the worst in football. So I wouldn't be surprised if a 7-9, and 8-8 eight and eight team won it. And it's there for the taking for Houston. And, and uh, another Houston club that isn't going to be a developmental team, the Houston Rockets. Sure. Tell me, what, what's the vibe going into this season? What's the buzz like with CP3 signing? Is this a championship team? Is this a team that can dethrone the Warriors in the West? Well, you always put together a team now to try to beat Golden State. I mean, they have set the bar. And, yeah, there's a big buzz with CP3 coming in. And now an even bigger buzz that a local billionaire, Tillman Fertitta, of course, who uh, owns – all the gold, you know, all the golden nugget properties in the United States. Uh, several casinos in Vegas, uh, casino uh, golden nugget in Lake Charles. Several in Atlantic City. He owns the Bubba Gumps. Blah blah. This, uh, you know, he wanted to be the local boy who grew up to own a professional sports team, and it's finalized. He is the new owner of the Houston Rockets. There's big buzz there. So, yeah, there's a lot of pressure now. There, there's buzz in the city. Um, you know, Harden gets his help. Harden can now play the two. He doesn't have to be a point guard with CP3. So there is a legit buzz that these guys uh, can compete with the Golden State Warriors. I don't know if that can happen, but if, you know, 
come playoff time and he get, these guys are healthy, I think uh, it's going to be a, a fun time because Tillman Fertitta is definitely going to put a uh, an entertainment entertaining high scoring team on the court. So it yes, a big buzz indeed right now in Houston for the Rockets. Yeah, fun time. You got the Astros, the Rockets coming up, and then you have a, a good rookie there uh, with sure. the Houston Texans. So a lot to look forward to. Coop, give us your plugs. We're up against a break right now. We'll have to bring you back on later in the year when we can talk more about the college football playoff and all the teams that you're uh, local around with TCU, Oklahoma, Texas. There's a lot of teams to talk about, but we didn't get a chance to get into that too much today. Give us your plugs. Where can we find your writing? Where can we find you on uh, on Twitter, on Facebook, all the good stuff? TheExaminer.com, that's the newspaper I work for. Find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Chad Cooper. Spell it like it sounds, and I appreciate you guys uh, having me in. Uh, big game this week, Texas and Oklahoma. It's going uh, to be huge. Give us a pick. I'm going to go Oklahoma because my cousin's the starting quarterback for Oklahoma. Uh, oh, very hey, good. Yeah. Hey, Outstanding. Hey, we'll we'll, we'll wish him the best, and... We'll have to have a little conversation about that later as well. So We do. I have some stories. So uh, thanks again for having me, guys. Uh, have a great show. Coop, thank you thank so much, you. Coop. Absolutely. Take care. Take care. We will be right back after this quick commercial break. The Mike Abadir Show. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports if you're looking for more information on firearms and the shooting sports check out taking stock with kelly mcmillan kelly is the owner of mcmillan fiberglass stocks with over 40 years of experience now he's ready to share some industry luminaries and their perspectives with you if you're interested in firearms whether it be for shooting for fun competition hunting or self-defense Kelly is here to share his wisdom and experience. Listen live for Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan, Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby on Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to Mike at the MikeAbadirShow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, everybody. You are with Mike Abadir and Gina Bacola. We just finished up a great conversation with Chad Cooper, talking all things Houston, all sports Houston. And now we're going to segue to our next guest, who is Scott Shapiro. He is with Brisnet, with Twin Spires. He is their handicapper. He's also a fantasy football guru, an NFL fan, and an avid Wisconsin Badgers fan. So we'll touch on all those topics with him. Scott, good morning. Good morning, Mike and Gino. Good to be with you. Scott, thanks, thanks for coming. I, uh, I had the privilege of uh, 
heading down to Del Mar and joining Scott in a seminar, handicapping seminar. We had a good time. We went back and forth and uh, previewed one of the cards um, over the summer. So I told Scott, we had a, we had such a good time. We have to get you on this show. And what's great about what we had with Chad and with Scott, we've got these guests where we can just hit so much ground. We're going to go boom, boom, boom. And, and Scotty, we're going to start off because we're, we're gamblers. We like, to, we like to gamble our money a little bit. And we're going to play a little DraftKings this weekend. So Scott and I are going to put together a lineup. I know so many people out there are fantasy football players. So we're at DraftKings.com. We're putting together a lineup for Sunday. And uh, we're going just a kind of a cash game. We're, we're kind of going for instead of taking huge swings, we're going for guys that maybe have higher floors and are, are maybe a little safer bets. So um, quarterback-wise, Scott, I'm going to go with Watson. Uh, they got a great game against Cleveland this weekend. I think because Houston's defense is, has some injuries now, I even expect Houston to have to score a little bit more and for their games to maybe be a little more back and forth. Watson's a winner, and I like the fact that because of his rushing, he has a high floor. Where are you going uh, quarterback-wise? Yeah, you can't, you can't go, go wrong with Watson this week. I expect him to be very popular at 6,700. Um, I'm actually going to uh, throw a curveball on the uh, first pitch here and go real cheap. I think uh, Josh McCown at 5,200. Uh, it's not going to take a lot for him to uh, live up to his, his, his salary, Gino. Um, he's playing a defense that has been poor all year in New England. I see this game either going one of two ways, either a shootout because neither defense is very good, or I see the Patriots jumping out to a big lead in McCown count playing against the pre-event all game. So at 5,200, it allows me more uh, flexibility at other positions. So I'm going to go cheap there. We move on to running backs. Uh, the two that I'm going to go with, I think you want to get McKinnon right now because his price is still low. He's still at 4,100 right now on DraftKings. And the trend that you'll notice with the running backs that I pick, they all get a lot of targets. That's what I want for my running backs. I want guys that are going to have at least four or five catches a game because that helps with your floor. So McKinnon at 4,100, I think is really good because they are playing Green Bay. They may be down in this game and they may need to get to come back. And he, he may be the, the running back that's getting passes last few drives of the game. And I'm also going to go with Gurley. Same reason. Um, Gurley's floor has been very good this year because of the receiving. Jacksonville you have to run the ball against them. Pittsburgh did not do that last week. You can run against Jacksonville. You really can't beat them much through the air. So I expect the game plan for the Rams to be pound the ball on the ground with Gurley. So my two backs are McKinnon and Gurley. Where are you headed, Scotty? Yeah, just to touch on that, it was amazing how Pittsburgh kind of did not make that game plan having Le'Veon Bell. They threw the ball so much. So I think it's a great, great move. The Rams absolutely have to go with Gurley uh, often, you know, in this game. And also he's catching passes. So I respect that. Um, I'm going with McKinnon as one of my running backs also. He's 4,100. I'm not sure if he can replicate the game against the Bears, but like you said, the targets along with uh, the amount of work he's getting now with uh, Dalvin Cook going down, I think he's a must-play in a cash-type lineup at that price. And then my other running back is going to be, I'm going to spend up for Kareem Hunt. Uh, we just mentioned, I just mentioned now Pittsburgh, or you mentioned Pittsburgh against Jacksonville, I believe. Or, uh, but yep. regardless, um, Pittsburgh could not stop Leonard Fournette. Um, and I don't see any reason why they're going to be able to stop Kareem Hunt. Pittsburgh used to have a great run, D. They're known for that this year, not the case. Kareem Hunt catches balls, like you mentioned. I can't see him not getting in the end zone at least once, so I'm willing to pay up for the 8,200. I'm loving you guys' running back decisions. I got a quick question for both of you, though. I haven't looked at the price tag on DraftKings for this week, but what are you guys' thoughts? And typically speaking, I usually shy away from when you're looking for value, you're not necessarily looking for the big-name guys. 
But one guy who might be an interesting situation is Adrian Peterson. Now that he's with the Arizona Cardinals, what are you guys' thoughts about him? Does he provide any any value this week from a dollar amount perspective? I don't know if you guys have that up in front of you or not. Yeah, I I have it up here. Uh, Peterson, to me, is interesting. I believe the name value always hurts a little bit. Um, His price tag is at $3,400, which is cheap. Um, to kind of piggyback off what Gino said, the only problem with Adrian Peterson on DraftKings is the point per reception is just never going to be there. Um, so you're pretty much he's a touchdown dependent type guy now. And Arizona's offensive line is so depleted that he's just you know it, it could be a big play if he can if he can get in a couple uh, touchdowns. But I'm not sure. Thirty four hundred is pretty cheap. What do you think, Gino? The the problem that I have with with uh, Peterson is Ellington, as you mentioned, he's going to take a lot of the the catches, and that just that really depletes what Peterson can do from a, a scoring perspective in, in fantasy. Now, he might be good for their team in real football, but a lot of times we've got to make sure that we, we talk about the difference between real football and fantasy football. And you mentioned the offensive line, another great point. I'm going to be kind of wait and see on Peterson, you know, but I, I would take a swing on him in a big, in a contest that you're shooting for. You know, if you're in the millionaire contest and you're kind of maybe looking for a contrarian play, he might be an interesting one. Uh, let's get to our wide receivers, Scotty. Um, this weekend with no Sanu for Atlanta, I think Taylor Gabriel is going to get a, a lot of looks. And I don't, I'm not impressed with Miami at all. So Taylor Gabriel at 4,600 is a cheap wide receiver I'm going to go for. I'm going to team up with Watson, Hopkins. Hopkins has been the most steady wide receiver basically all year long. And he has really loved went since Watson's taken over. He gets all the targets now. So I think Hopkins is really good to team with Watson. And then I'm going to go Crabtree also. Until I see Amari Cooper get out of this funk that he's in, I think it's only going to help Crabtree. I think Crabtree is going to continue to get all the throws. I like the fact that last week he had a good game even when Derek Carr was not in the game. So that says if Carr is not healthy this week or maybe he has to come back out, he still has a repertoire with AJ uh, with EJ Manuel. So I have a uh, Gabriel Hopkins and Crabtree for my three receivers. Scott, how about you? Yeah, I'm going to go uh, as my first receiver. I'm going to go with Randall Cobb. He had somewhat of a down week last week, but playing against Minnesota, I expect Xavier Rhodes to be on Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams most of the game. So that should get Cobb a lot more looks than he had last game when he, um, believe faced, uh, Skandrick in the slot against Dallas. So at 5,900, I think Cobb's a good cash game play. My second receiver is going to be Chris Hogan. Guy's going to catch it, seems to catch at least a touchdown in every game so far. Brady's given him a lot of looks. The Jets' D is not very good. I think if he had a bigger name, he'd be more than $7,000 already. Uh, so Chris Hogan will be my second receiver. And then my third receiver will be in the game opposite of Michael Crabtree. A cash game must, and anytime you can get him in, that's Keenan Allen. Taking on a weak Raiders D. He's a target machine, catches tons of balls. 7900 somewhat pricey, but he pretty much lives up to the billing every time. Yeah, I like uh, I like both those plays. I'm I'm a big Keenan Allen fan. Uh, I have him on a couple of uh, season long teams, and you're 100 percent right about Hog- Hogan's a legitimate wide receiver one, but uh, he just doesn't get the the same name recognition that some of the other ones do. Um, I'm I'm gonna kind of piggyback on a game that you like earlier for my tight end. I'm gonna go with Safarian Jenkins for a lot of the same reasons why you like McCown. I think this is gonna be a game where the Jets are uh, are probably down. They're likely gonna have to come back and try to score a little bit to keep up with the Patriots. Safarian Jenkins has been really solid. Uh, over the last few weeks since kind of taking over, and he's one of the main targets there. You know, you, you look around the Jets, and he's probably the most talented pass catcher they have. So, to Safarian Jenkins, for me, at the tight end spot, how about you? 
Yeah, I mean, Safarian Jenkins, I give a big look to. I just don't have it in me to go with two Jets. So <laughs> um, I'm going to roll with Cameron Braid as my tight end against Arizona. I think uh, Patrick Peterson will be on Mike Evans. Not that Evans can't, you know, exploit that a little bit, but I think that I'll, you'll see Jameis Winston looking to Cameron Braid quite a bit, especially near the red zone uh, like he did last week when he caught a touchdown. 3900 for me, Braid is a pretty good value, I believe. Then for the flex spot, uh, I'm actually going to go with a running back in the flex spot, but this is a running back who leads the team in receiving, and that's Duke Johnson for uh, for Cleveland. He, he's more like a wide receiver because, same thing, they just don't have a lot of pass catchers over there. He's been fine with both Kaiser and with uh, with Hogan. So Duke Johnson Jr. for me, when you're going to get five or six catches a game, he's been getting even more than that lately. And he's even getting, you know, taking away some of the runs from Crowell now because Crowell's been struggling. So I'm going to go with Duke Johnson in the flex spot. How about you, Scott? Yeah, Duke's been great. I'm going to go uh, kind of piggybacking off of uh, Mike's question before. I'm going to go with Mark Ingram in the flex. I think he's underpriced at 4400 considering now that the workload will go up with Adrian Peterson gone. Should get any potential goal line uh, carries. Uh, does catch the ball out of the backfield, even though Alvin Kamara was their main third down back. I think 4400 is just too cheap for Ingram. And then to close things out in the defense spot, I'm going to go with the Falcons. Uh, Falcons are getting a lot of guys back this week from injury. They're going to get Vic Beasley back. Uh, Julio Jones is going to be back. Also, the right tackle and the safety also going to be coming back. So they're just going to have a more complete team. And then when you have Vic Beasley back defensively, you're going to be fine. You're playing against Jay Cutler and Miami Dolphins, who Jay Cutler had uh, under 100 yards passing last week, and they won. This team has just been abysmal. The Dolphins have... They had 178 total yards last week. Um, you know, their their victories have been against the Matt Castle-led Titans and because Koo missed a field goal for the Chargers. And in the other two games that they lost, they scored six points. They were shut out. They scored uh, 17 in one of their wins and then 16 in another. This team just doesn't score points. I, think, I don't think they can score points to keep up with the Falcons. I expect a few turnovers. Defense and special teams for me, Falcons. What about you, Scott? Yeah, I'm going to go with the Chiefs, a little correlation with Kareem Hunt. I think the Chiefs will be up early. I think Hunt will run the ball a lot. And from what I've seen from Big Ben Roethlisberger, it used to be just a road thing, which he is on the road this week. But last week against Jacksonville, he was pitiful as well, throwing the ball to them, I believe, five times. I think the Chiefs at 3,200, kind of a similar type play. You want to play those home teams that are favored um, against, you know, an inferior team and a quarterback willing to throw the ball to the other team. I think the Chiefs at 3,200 are pretty good value. You know, I've got a surprise defense for you guys. The Arizona Cardinals this week. I think that, to me, w- w- is going to be a, a really interesting matchup because you have Tampa coming out west. And I haven't been that impressed with Tampa. I had high hopes for them going into this season. And when you, you, you look at teams that travel coast to coast, especially those Florida teams, when they come out west, they typically kind of put up a... Uh, a flat performance. So I would say the Arizona Cardinals, if they are at an inexpensive price tag on DraftKings, I would I would look towards the Arizona Cardinals as kind of a surprise pick for this weekend's uh, draft lineup. We'll we'll, we'll 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 have to put that to the test this weekend and see. I like that pick, Mike. I mean, they're only 2,800. Jameis Winston, I mean, I expect him to hopefully play better than he did against New England last week where he was pretty much abysmal even though his stat line was acceptable at the end of the day. But uh, being at home, like you said. Um, Same thing that we just picked, Scotty, right? It's, it's similar handicapping to the teams that we picked. You get the home team against the quarterback who doesn't mind throwing the ball around. 
you know, Jameis is a type of guy who you could easily see throwing three or four picks a game. He could be great, but he could be very Jekyll and Hyde. And defensively, I would definitely play the Cardinals in a, in a tournament-type situation. I agree. I think it's a great tournament play. I think the ones that, you know, the bigger favorites and are the teams that get used the most. Uh, so you're going to differentiate your lineup with the Cardinals. I think it's a great call. That's exactly what I was thinking. Now, if we uh, can transition a little bit out of the uh, fantasy realm, I've got a quick couple of questions for you because we got about three minutes before the next commercial break. In terms of the Brisnet products that are available, if someone is relatively new to the game or new to Brisnet in of itself, there's a whole suite of products that Brisnet offers. I know I've looked at the Ultimate PPs. I've looked at the Winner's Choice cards, uh, which give you a nice, concise, one-page you know, snapshot, if you will, of the entire race card and you know, give you some... Uh, indications as to who are the closers, who are the speed horses, et cetera. But maybe you kind of walk us through a little bit of the uh, products that you like to use in your ha- daily handicapping. Sounds good. Yeah, the, fir- the first thing, if, if you're a regular handicapper, I think a great deal that the Brisnet offers is the, the, the ultimate plan, which you get every, you know, instead of other places where you have to pay for each individual product, um, you get everything you want for the year, you know, for the, for the month. And that's 75 bucks. I think it's a, a great deal. Obviously, if you're only a casual player, you don't need something like that. But that's you got your PPs. And to me, the ultimate PPs are what I look at. You know, get you, get you some of everything. I think what Brisnet offers in some of their, you know, they have the, we have the prime power ratings. We have the uh, speed figures. I think um, there's some really solid uh, numbers if you're a figure player to, to look at. Um, what I what I cover on, in the site obviously is something that I think is worthwhile are the daily selections for uh, Southern California um, every day of, that, of racing, and uh, it's very inexpensive. It gives a full um, a full card analysis, top three horses in each race, and then a, a best bet or two. And the best bet is more of a most likely winner as opposed to kind of a best gamble. So if you're someone that's a, a new player and you want to get some, uh, you know, expert advice for any, any of the major tracks, um, I think that is an affordable way to kind of, you know, get, get a feel for what someone at a higher level is thinking. Um, and then another thing I really like for more advanced players is I really like the pedigree information that we have. Um, you know, you can get that in other places as well, but I really like the way the Brisnet legacy site works for that. Um, and then outside of that, I mean, there's a lot of the similar things that other sites will have, but those are the things that I use. There's obviously a lot more um, that's offered on there. Uh, we, off, we offer um, the Bruno with the Works, which uh, is Gino's uh, cup of tea. Um, they're up there every day along with the National Turf Clocker reports from uh, Andy Harrington. So that information is something I use as well. Uh, that's kind of a, a third-party thing we sell. And there's a number of other things like that. So it's kind of a, a, a smorgasbord of, of everything we have on there, you know, between the in-house stuff and the out-of-house stuff. Have you noticed that the selections are maybe stronger maybe in, in certain circuits, perhaps? Or are there, are there any things that you picked up on where you're like, hey, this, this is a really good product, but man, I'll tell you, if you're using it for Santa Anita um, or, or a Belmont or wherever the case may be, well, this is Well, it's anywhere that Scott's selections are on there. That's what <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm give a big push, my Santa Anita and Delmar selections. But I, I think that, you know, with, with uh, I've noticed that 
Obviously, the company's based in Kentucky. I think the products are particularly good outside of the work I do uh, for Keeneland and, of course, for Churchill. Once derby season comes around, I mean, the coverage is wall-to-wall um, with, not, with a number of strong handicappers as well as analysts, as well as people that are on, on, the, you know, on site like uh, Bruno is for the derby, you know, watching the horses and clocking. Um, you know, and then you go over to Twin Spires, which is the sister company, uh, which is the ADW, and, and we have tons of video content and, and people on the ground led by um, Ed DeRosa um, and, and, and his team. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's hard for me to pinpoint one exact circuit, but outside of my work, I would say, you know, Kentucky and New York are the other markets that are heavily covered. Hey, in 30 seconds before we have our next commercial break, have you heard anything in terms – you mentioned Kentucky – so I was mm-hmm. curious, have have there been uh, any handle figures that have been released that you've caught on to which suggest that the Keeneland boycott is really effective? I haven't looked into it too much, but I think that from what I've gathered, it's been effective so far. Um, you know, to me, some of the arguments are very solid. There's been some good content put out on Twitter by a couple people. I know Gino retweeted an article from uh, a handle, Pull the Pocket. He does a good job of kind of uh, breaking things down in a simple manner. I think it's been effective. I think, you know, it's more of a long-term thing, but I think the numbers have been down um, for good or for bad. Yeah, I, I saw the same thing. Uh, I think they've been down a little for Keeneland and up a little for the other places. So it looks like the money's kind of being redistributed. You have a few minutes to, to hang out with us more? Scott? Absolutely. Okay, cool. We're going to take a break. And then when we come back, we'll talk a little Wisconsin. Sounds good. Sounds excellent. We'll be right back on the Mike Abadir Show. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Get ready for the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Want to get inside of the minds of the players and coaches? We'll talk everything sports, but with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college football. We'll review and preview the week's big games. We'll talk about the draft choices and free agents and go inside the teams for news, recruiting, and what's next from the colleges to the pro teams. It's the Get Down with Hurley Brown, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific, on Voice America Sports. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back. We're heading into the final stretch of the show here. We're sitting with 
Gina Bacola and Scott Shapiro talking fantasy football, talking horse racing, and talking sports in general. We left off talking about Keeneland and about takeout rates. Scott, which tracks do you think right now offer the best quality and best bang for your buck in terms of wagering opportunities right now? Well, first and foremost, I, I always look forward in terms of meets to Saratoga and Del Mar in the summer. I think the way the meets are set up for the six-week period of time um, and the way trainers point their horses to those meets makes the, the field sizes great, the quality of racing great. And to me, therefore, that makes the wagering product great. Um, that's, you know, as we were talking off the air, um, you know, that to me is first and foremost. I, I, I definitely do not you know, approve of hot raising takeout, and I think lowering it would help the game. But to me, then first and foremost, I, I need a high-quality racing product, and Saratoga and Del Mar offer that. So, Scott, we're uh, talking a little racing. Uh, this weekend, it's still early. Lines, morning lines probably not even out quite yet for Santa Anita. Um, we've briefly looked at, at the races for, uh, for Saturday. You said you have a horse or two to, to maybe mention to keep an eye on? Yeah, there's a couple horses I'm looking forward to. Well, there's one horse I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, Maybe too short of a price to wager on, and that's in the fourth race on Saturday. Number one, oh, the morning lines are actually up now. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, number one, Radio Silence in the fourth race. He's running um, first time in the states. Richard Balt has taken over the training duties. I actually expect him to go off long, uh, short, a lot shorter than seven to two. Seven to two makes him quite worth wagering on. But well, especially um, with the the jungle racing too, you know, the the clones will be out with Romy. There. Yeah, exactly. Unless he doesn't. Yeah, and, and I mean, the Jungle Racing, LNJ Foxwoods. They had uh, Straight Fire, a two-year-old last year that had a lot of promise, and things didn't go quite well after uh, the first couple races. But I really like that horse. But um, this horse comes over from um, Ireland. Uh, you can look back at the past performances and see that he ran second to Churchill. So you know there's some class there. And then things went in the wrong direction after that grade two uh, in August of 2016 and just didn't seem to want to run in his three starts in the spring. Um, and they sent him over uh, to Richard Baltus, who adds Lasix. They take the blinkers off. He's been training really well. If he runs anything near what his talent is capable of, he's going to bury this group. Uh, it's not a group that I find uh, overly impressive. There's some with more experience and, and whatnot, but some of the other runners that are going to take money to me, um, outside of maybe number two Harbor Master. Um, so Radio Silence is one to keep an eye on. No, you know the the first time in the states and getting Lasix and, and whatnot. You know I don't want to take too short of a price, but I am looking forward to seeing this horse run. Um, and then in the second race, there's a horse. Uh, coming over from the other track I cover this time of the year, uh, ooh, the morning line's a little shorter than I had hoped at 5-2, to two, but Smart Nose Smart's on through the rail um, for Steve Asmussen, who has his first runner of the meet, which is a little surprising. But Source took on open company maidens at a mile in his debut, and now he cuts back. He moves into Calbred Company. Um, he didn't take much money in that debut at 13-1, to one, but there was a 2-5 to five shot in that race in Indiana. And he kind of was in an uncomfortable spot on the rail through much of the race before finding room to run. And I think the cutback will help. Um, the rail at 6.5 furlongs is never ideal, in my opinion. But I'm not crazy about the race that a lot of the, his rivals come out of um, outside of the first-time starters in here. So I think, number one, smart, snort, no snort is the clear one to beat. And maybe these are horses you can kind of key in a pick-five type sequence. I would say without even handicapping, that Gino's keying in on the number eight. What do you fellas think? Touchdown USC? 
Yeah, well, that's a great. Oh, Mike, that's why that's why they pay you the big bucks. What a transition there, because we were going to shoot right on over to college football. But that's why you you make millions. Mike Avedere, we have to talk a little about Wisconsin with you, Scotty, while we have you on. One reason why I really like my team's chances USC's this year was because their schedule was very favorable. And I think the same can be said for Wisconsin right now. You know, you look at Wisconsin, they have wins uh, over Utah State. FAU, BYU, Northwestern, and then they, they got a pretty good win against Nebraska last week. But the rest of their schedule is very nice. They uh, they have Purdue, Maryland, at Illinois, at Indiana, Iowa, uh, Michigan, and at Minnesota. So the big game that, that circled is Michigan, but no Penn State, no Ohio State, um, and while those other teams may take turns beating each other up. Yeah, you, you look at things, and, and the schedule certainly sets up, and you'd like to think that we could run the table if everything went well. Personally, you know, I have high hopes. I really like what Paul Christ has done since coming in uh, from Pitt, but we got to play better, especially in the first half, if we want to be in any sort of discussion with some of the, the, the top few teams in the country that I've been much more impressed with. Um, I, I can't take very many games for granted right now because we're, we're never ahead significantly in the first half, and we play great in the second half, and we've really got the running game going. Our our, uh, our running game wasn't as uh, – even though we had a really strong year last year, it wasn't a typical Wisconsin running game. But if you watch the, the, the Nebraska game, the fourth quarter, we ran the ball every single play, ran it right down their throats. And as a Wisconsin fan and alum, you, you really got to like seeing that back in the things. But in terms of, you know, thinking national title, yeah, the schedule sets up. But, you know, I might not look hard on paper, but – Playing Iowa, Michigan, and, and then at Minnesota will not be easy. Um, I don't, you know, being a Big Ten fan for a while, uh, following that conference for whatever reason, these these road games are never easy, um, and we're just not good enough yet to take any game for granted. I don't think. You know, you were talking about the running game. I've been impressed with the running game as well, especially since they're led by a freshman who's really, really uh, having an excellent season, Jonathan Taylor. I think he's already close to like, you know, 750 yards, uh, nine touchdowns. And, you know, he's given them the ability to be able to stretch the field a little bit more, uh, you know, with, with some of the receivers like Quintus Cephas and Troy from Agali. Uh, I, I would say as the weather gets colder, that running game will become more and more of a factor. Absolutely. Jonathan Taylor has been the absolute brightest part of this team. And we it, it's been a great season so far. Don't get me wrong. I just, you know, I have very high hopes. But, but Jonathan Taylor is, is, is Wisconsin, a Wisconsin back that looks great. I mean, this kid has an absolutely bright future, especially running behind those hogs that we have up front that are just consistently, you know, going to the NFL. He is, has a combination of speed and power that we definitely have not had in a few years. Uh, couldn't be any happier with Taylor. And, and you mentioned the receiving core, and, of course, uh, Fumagalli as a tight end, and they're much improved over last year's group. It all comes down kind of our offense, down to how Ornibrook plays. He's been up and down so far, did not play very well against Nebraska. Um, but he seems to be a, an even-keeled kid, so when he makes a mistake, he does bounce back, which is a positive. Absolutely. I mean, anytime you know you rush for 250 against Nebraska, and and I mean, I'm sure Nebraska fans are going crazy because they're a defensive-oriented team in the past, and, and to, to give up 250 yards to a freshman, unbelievable. But yeah, I think as as the season progresses, Wisconsin's definitely a team to watch out for. 
I hope so, Mike. I mean, I, I expect us to keep getting better. I really am a fan of our coaching staff. Our defense is strong. Our, our secondary is really, really good. I'm a little concerned about the lack of pass rush early in the season. Um, we have a game against Purdue on Saturday, and we're, I think, 16 or 17-point favorites. Purdue's been good. They're, they're a really improved team. I know Vegas had them as only their win total was only two and a half this year. They've already surpassed that, and Brom has them playing well. I don't take these games for granted um, outside of maybe, you know, Maryland at home in two weeks I might take for granted, and even at Illinois. But um, I'm hoping we continue to get better and, and can stay unbeaten and then maybe get a shot at Penn State or Ohio State to really, uh, to really ice the season off. Scott Shapiro, you are the man. Thank you very much. We're going to have to get you back again because we can just go for forever talking with you. We can go from sport to sport to sport to sport. Give the folks out there the plugs. Where can we find you and, uh, and get all your information? Yeah, thanks, Gino, for the kind words. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at ScottShap34. Um, as, as we discussed before, you can find uh, my work on brisnet.com. That's the daily selections for every day on the Southern California circuit, as well as I provide uh, three free articles a week on twinspires.com, uh, everything from handicapping tips early in the week at times to uh, specific race or uh, pick four, pick five sequence plays uh, you know, for the weekend. Um, so I really appreciate you guys having me. And then um, if you're at Del Mar in, the, in November, I'll be doing my Sunday handicap seminars that you mentioned earlier once again so please come by uh usually about an hour and a half before race time cool we'll make sure to promote those and uh, and send them out on twitter scott thanks a lot buddy i'll talk to you soon thanks, thanks scott me, guys great we'll time. see you down in del mar sounds good mike look forward to it thank you man a couple great guests we had today huh absolutely Just boom 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 we cover all the ground mike we only have a few minutes left let's talk about a couple football games this weekend that we like i have three games that i'm gonna play and i know you have one lock of the week let me rattle through my three NFL best bets. First, I'm going to go Falcons minus 12 against the Dolphins. Yeah, 12 is a lot of points. The Dolphins are just bad. The Falcons are coming off a bye week. And as I mentioned earlier, they're getting healthy offensively and defensively. I think the Falcons win that game by two scores. Easy, you know, probably 21 point game. Rams plus two and a half against the Jaguars. Mike, you see me. I am rocking my Rams gear today. I got the shirt. I got the hat. I am decked out in Rams. I think last week they struggled a little bit, but they didn't get beat up. They turned the ball over a little too much against the good Seattle team. I think the Rams will have to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. I think they win this game straight up. I'm going to play the Rams money line at the Jaguars. And then we're going Packers, Vikings. Packers are playing at Minnesota. You know, with Case Keenum, with – some issues with Minnesota. I just think Green Bay is the better team. I don't think Minnesota is going to be able to score with them. So I'm going to play the Packers minus the three against the Vikings. Three plays for me. Falcons minus 12. Rams money line against the Jaguars. And the Packers minus three against the Vikings. Those all sound pretty good, Gino. I'm looking at the game that I talked about a little bit earlier when we were talking fantasy football and fantasy defenses. I'm looking at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming out west to play the Arizona Cardinals. You know, both teams are sputtering a little bit. They had much higher hopes going into this season than to be a 500 club for each of them. And I take a contrarian view when I'm looking at point spreads. I like to look at what everybody else is doing and go the other way. So in this game here, when you look at the numbers, 72% of the money is on Tampa. Tampa's minus one. 72% of the money is on Tampa. How come it's only a minus one point spread? 
that should be more indicative. If you look at any of the other games on the uh, on this week's uh, ra- uh, race cards, on the game cards, 72, 73% of the money is six or seven point spreads every single time. This is the only one that's a minus one game. Old school guys will call that a trap game. I would go the other way with it. They got the wrong team favorite. Arizona Cardinals at home. They're going to win this game outright. Yeah, you, and you can just take the money line. That's what you do too. Completely agree with you, Gino. I think this one is a good money line play. So maybe that's a that's a good four-teamer. Take your three. Take this one. For those who are a little bit averse to playing the big point spreads, maybe that's a good money line parlay all the way around. You're not going to get a, a really strong money line with the Falcons, but it's an easy winner. Um, and don't get me wrong. I love the Miami Dolphins. That's the team that I grew up rooting for with, with Dan Marino. But that could be a good four-team money line. Maybe you get five, six to one on those four teams if you play them all together on just the win end and uh, you take it to the bank. And one thing before we get going, we just want to uh, remind everyone, if you're listening out there, we appreciate you um, following the show. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and make sure to get to iTunes and leave us a review. If you can shoot a five-star review in, leave us a comment. If you have any comments, we'd love to read them on the show. We'd love to shoot a a shout out to you, say hello and any kind of positive criticism or feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Appreciate it. We're technically, I think we're working things out a little bit. A couple times today, I just stupidly had my microphone on mute. So if there are a couple of issues like that, that's that's just me, Mikey, getting up too early and uh, not, just not being the smart technical guy. That's all that is. <laughs> we'll have to make up for that next week. Thank you for joining us. Next week, Simeon Rice, future Hall of Fame candidate, as well as Jason Beam. We will see you next week. Have a great sports weekend, everybody. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great week.